1: Every one of us and indeed everyone who is alive and in fact, everyone who has ever lived will one day have to answer these three questions. Who am I? Who is God? And do I know the difference? we live in a society that is eat up with this idea of platform. Everybody wants a platform. Everybody is promoting themselves. And let me just tell you, sometimes it's my tribe, it's people in the ministry that seem to be the worst at this. We're elevating ourselves so that others can see what we're doing. But I would remind you of something I was taught many years ago in ministry. We will never be more publicly than we've been privately. You'll never have a platform of great influence that makes a difference in your little corner of the world until first you make a decision, and usually a private decision, that whatever comes your way, you're going to be faithful to the Lord. Said another way, the great big doors of opportunity of God's blessings, they always swing on the tiny hinges of obedience. So those things we looked at earlier, those ways that we may be profaning the sacred, the ways we may be thumbing our nose at God, the way we may be being disobedient, don't look at your life and complain to God about why he's not blessing you when you're not doing the things he's already told you to do. We still need men and women to step up, to be faithful, to be godly, to be compassionate, to have integrity. In fact, I believe this verse in Second Chronicles is still true. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. Just think about that. The eyes of God are looking for people like you, and he's ready to support you. He's got your back. He'll hold you up. He'll give you what you need. If you just will say, you can have whole all of me. I'm withholding nothing. I'm giving everything back to you. That's why D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, would say the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to Him. I wonder if today we would commit to be that man, we would commit to be that woman. I wonder how many of us would say, Oh God, by your grace and for your glory, I give you all of me. I'm withholding nothing. My yes is on the table. I surrender. I'll do whatever it is you want. God, just use me for your glory. That's that second question. Will you be the man, that woman that we need? The first question is, do you see the mess that we've made? The the second question is, will you be the man or the woman that we need? By the way, it's interesting, Daniel has integrity even in his response to the king. Notice what takes place, verse 16. But I've heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems, the king says to Daniel. Now, if you can read the writing and make it known to me, you shall be clothed in purple and have a chain of gold around your neck. And you shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. And Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself. Give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. Can I I just tell you how I think that implies to you and me today? We had better make sure our colors are clear. We had better make sure we have allegiance to one. In fact, as God-fearing Christ followers, no political party or governmental leader should ever be our ultimate hope. We must commit to always speak the truth regardless of the benefits or regardless of the blessings that may come from the ones to whom we speak. That leads us to the message. So there was a mess. There was a man. And now there's a message. Daniel's going to do what he asked. He's going to respond. He, he's told him, you can keep your junk. I don't need your robe. I don't need your jewels. I'm just going to be faithful and do what God's put me here to do. And so look at verse 18. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. Right out of the booth, he's reminding the king of something you and I need to remember, something that the New Testament teaches us. Every good and every perfect gift has flowed down from above. Anything good in you is not of you. Anything good in you, anything good in me, any of the blessings that we have of life, you know where that comes from? It comes from the most high God. It's of his greatness. It's for his glory and for his majesty. Because of the greatness, he gave him all the peoples and nations, the language he trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. Whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up. And whom he would, he humbled. So he's reminding the grandson of what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. Because God chose to, he was a powerful man. But notice what happened when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, there's that word pride, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. Scriptural principle. If we humble ourselves, God exalts us. If we exalt ourselves, you better believe it. God will humble you. God will bring us down just as he did with Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar, we, we see kind of this flirtation with God in chapter one and chapter two and chapter three. I think in chapter four, he makes a profession and he begins to follow Yahweh. But up to that point, he's been flirting and he acts like, "Hey, I like this God of Daniel, man, this God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who showed up in a fiery furnace. That's interesting. But at the end of the day, his pride got to him. At the end of the day, he elevated himself to the place of God. And that always gets you and I and anybody else in trouble. You know what happened next? Verse 21 says, he was driven from among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast. I'm not going to read the rest of this verse, but let me tell you what what it says, because you need to go read this. Read chapter four, and you'll see what happened. It says, God made him crazy. God literally made him lose his mind, and he went running around for a year like a crazy person before he acknowledged who God was and what God did. And you know what Daniel was saying? Daniel was saying, hey, King, you need to be aware. Before I get to the, what the handwriting was on the wall, you need to be aware of what you should already know. And listen to what he should already know. He says he was driven from mankind. His mind was made like that of a beast. His dwelling was like the wild donkeys. He fed grass and ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven. And he knew that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it who he will. He's saying, Belshazzar, you need to know, if you just look back at history, you would have learned God's gonna have his way. You may not understand it. Your granddaddy didn't understand it. But it's God who sets up and sits down the kings. Now, let me divert for about 30 seconds and just remind you that's still true today. I'm 51. That means when I was born, Richard Nixon was president. Then came Gerald Ford, then Jimmy Carter the first Southern Baptist president. And then a guy named Ronald Reagan, followed by George H.W. Bush. Then Bill Clinton, followed by the son, W, President Bush, followed by President Obama. And, and who knows, it looks like, followed by President Trump and then President Biden. I just want to remind you, it's God who allows those to sit on the throne that sit on the throne. It's God who sets up and sits down. Our job is not to be commentators about who's in the office. Our God is to be committed to the one who sets up and sits down. As simple as that. Bottom line, he was saying, Belshazzar, you should have known better. I think we could stop right there, church. Because the truth is, we know better most of the things that get us in trouble, most of the things that keep our neighbors, maybe family members, co-workers, classmates, from following the God we profess to serve, most of those things are our fault. We're not living out what we say we believe. You know, it's not the truth you profess that changes you, not just the truth you know, it's the truth that you live out. Let me just tell you. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what the handwriting says. But before we get to the handwriting, you already know the problem. You're a king, but there's a God, and you're not God. He said, now, let me tell you about the handwriting on the wall. Listen to what it says, verse 22. You, his son, Belshazzar, you've not humbled your heart. Though you knew all this, you've lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. The vessels of his house have been brought before you. You and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you've praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze and iron and wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath and whose all your ways, you've not honored him. So then from his presence, the hand was sent. So first he resolves a mystery. Yeah, this is the hand of God. The message, this is from God. Here it is. This is the text. First, mini, mini. Then a word, tekel. Then a word, parsing. He says, this is an interpretation of the matter. And right here in scripture, we have the translation. Mene means God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tikel means you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. And Perez means your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Now follow this quickly because it's going to move quickly. First, he says, Mene, what does that mean? God has numbered the days of your kingdom and he's brought it to an end. Here's what he's saying. Your story is coming to an end. You've, you've lived it your way, King, but today is the end. And I just need to tell you something. We don't know when it is, but our story is coming to an end. I pray it's not by God's grace, but my story could end today. I could go home for my Sunday nap and never wake up. Shoot, I could not make it to my nap all the crazy drivers around this community. (laughs) Our story is going to come to an end. We get to influence how the final chapter of our story is written, but we can't decide when it will be written. He said, your story is coming to an end, king. But then there's another word, the word teakow. It means you've been weighed in your balances and you've been found wanting. Let me just translate that the way my dad used to say it to me. You've been acting too big for your britches. You can say what you want, but it's not measuring up. There's a standard, son, and you're not living up to the standard. And I would just say to you that the king is not unlike us. There's coming a day where the Bible says we will account for every idle word, there's a standard. You want to know the reason we're not making a bigger difference as the salt and the light in this world? It's because we're not living up to the standard. We've been measured and we've been found wanting. Your neighbors, my neighbors, our friends, our family, our classmates, our coworkers they look at us and they say, if that's what it's all about, I don't need it. And then there's the word Perez. Perez. And this is where it hits home. He says, Your kingdom is divided, and it's given to the Medes and the Persians. Can I translate that in the South Carolina Ease? Turn out the lights, baby. The party's over. Now just think about that. This day started with a big party. And the king was doing something he's probably never done. He got everybody together, they got drunk. All kinds of sin was taking place. Hey, we really want to go have fun. Let's go get the stuff we stole from the Jews. Let's start partying with their stuff. And he does it. And the day is going to end with his death and his destruction. And one day it'll end for us. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, It's appointed unto man to die once. And after that comes judgment. Man, I get it. This isn't as much of an amen part of the message. It's kind of a, oh my. But we've got to have that in our faith journey. We've got to have those moments where we hold up the mirror of God's word and look at it and say, God, I I, I want to get this Right. I don't want to just wake up one day and say, I've already lived my life and the handwriting's now on the wall. I'm standing before a holy God and I'm not ready. So the question for us is, have we heard the message that's been given? Yeah, do you see the mess? Will you be the man? But have you heard the message? Because our story is going to end. Look at how this one ends. Verse 29. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck. Proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. So he did all that stuff for Daniel, even though Daniel said, no, thank you. But look at verse 30. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. What? That very night, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. So don't you think Daniel's thinking, well, find time for a promotion. That lasted about an hour. (laughs) What can we learn from this? Let me give you a few thoughts and then a couple of takeaways. First of all, God will not share his glory. (laughs) From the Big Ten, from the Ten Commandments. Remember, as a child, I thought, man, it seems like these first three keep repeating themselves. You should have no other gods before me. You you should not have graven images. Um, you, You should not put anything before the Lord your God. I mean, God is serious. He's a jealous God. When you try to step into his place, he will eventually move you out. Don't challenge God. Stop playing God in your life. It's gonna mess you up. And it's not going to be worth it because God will not share his glory. But second, God always exposes sin. Man, this kind of thing scares me, and I, I live with this truth. I try to keep a short account before God just because, as a pastor, I recognize, man, I, I'm, I'm imperfect, I, I'm sinful, and I, I want to be honored by God because I know God will always expose sin. And, and some of us walk into a room like this or we listen to a message like this, and, and we think, but this is my secret sin. Even the person beside me doesn't know about this. Maybe it's my thought life or, or, or it's what I do when no one else is around. But here's what Scripture teaches. What, we cover God will one day uncover the clock will run out it will be the end of the story but here's the good news what we uncover by his grace and his shed blood God will cover he always exposes sin and third truth God always gets the last word <laughs> those of us that are married know what it's like to have heated fellowship Those times where maybe you don't see quite eye to eye. As husbands, sometimes we have to decide you've got a choice. You can be right or you can be happy. Now, if I want to be right, I'm going to make sure I get the last word. If I'm going to be happy, I might just say, yes, dear, you're absolutely right. I want you to understand something. God always gets the last word. He's always going to have the final say. So what do we do? How do we respond? Here's what we do. First of all, we've got to see the mess. Do you see the mess? And the mess begins with me. So it's kind of like at Alcoholics Anonymous, some of you have been a part of that or some other recovery group, and you may say something like this, Hi, my name is Paul, and I'm an alcoholic. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, In just a moment, we're going to do an exercise. You're going to say, Hi, my name is, fill in your blank. I'm going to say Paul. So it'll be like this. Hi, my name is Paul. And then we're going to say, And I am a mess. All right, you got it? This means yes. This means no. Hi, my name is Paul. I'm a mess. But don't say Paul, say your name. You ready? One, two, three. Hi, my name is Paul, and I'm a mess. Let me tell you why you're a mess because you're a sinner. You're a sinner. No matter how hard you try, no matter how good of a day you think you're having, you're going to sin because you've got a nature of sin. It's just who you are. And that's not good because the Bible says that our sin separates us from God, which means we miss out on fellowship with him. We miss out on a fulfilling life. And worse, it damns us to punishment in a place called hell if it's left undealt with. That, my friend... Is a mess. See the mess. Second takeaway is this. Hear the message. You know what the message is? The message is no matter how bad of a mess you are, God loves you. That's what it says in Romans chapter 5. God demonstrates his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died. Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your mess so that you could be forgiven as a sinner so that you wouldn't have to be separated from him so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. In fact, what he accomplished there dealt with everything. It gives you the opportunity to be prepared at the end of your story. So the verse right after the verse we just read, we read Hebrews 9, 27, and just as it's appointed for man to die once and then comes a judgment, the next verse says, so Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many, we appear a pillar a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So because of the death and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the message is we have hope. He's coming back. This world is not my home. It doesn't have to end this way. God really does get the last word. That's good news. That's a good message. In fact, the Bible teaches at the same hand that wrote on the wall in Daniel chapter 5 knelt down, and wrote in the sand in John chapter 8. You remember the story, woman caught in adultery? Jesus writes in the sand. We don't know exactly what he wrote in the sand, but John tells us what he said right after that. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Just be the man. Be the woman today. That stands up, that determines to let your character be identified with Christ, that decides that in whatever corner of the world you're in, you're going to stand out as a follower of Jesus. Be the man or the woman that people look to regardless of your circumstances, whether it be the hills or the valleys, the victories or the losses, the grief or the joy of life. Let them see you as the man or the woman that is pointing them to Jesus. Be the man or the woman that can say, follow me as I follow Jesus.
2: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhill.org. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us next Sunday at noon for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.